Hey there, have you heard the good news? Why, there's a new game in town, a fun, totally diverting webcomic called, Is This Tomorrow? Is This Tomorrow lampoons the outrageous falsehoods and unrepentant bootlicking going on at a real life television network that rhymes with socks? Has anyone ever used the phrase fox sucker? Because that's what they're slinging it is this tomorrow. The fox sucker blues. To get a cure for the fox sucker blues, you need to visit our friends Woody and Kelly, and their weekly jousts and volleys toward the windmills that litter the vast plain of American ignorance. So join Don Quixote, Sancho Panza, and Rossi Nonti, as they, wait, that's a different story. Join Woody, Kelly, Taffy and the whole hee haw gang at, is, this, tomorrow, dot, com. I'll say it again for the feeble minded, is, this, tomorrow, dot, com. <laughs> if you think, honestly, if you think I sound all right, Barry, I think like you this, sound I'll, fine. I'll like um, all right, okay. Hey, Rob, someone in the band has to be the least talented. <laughs> okay, that's, that's always true. the way it goes. You know what? I've always made sure it was always me. So I always put people <laughs> right. with more talent because, yeah, that's the smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right, I've officially poured the rum. So awesome. Uh, what brand of rum are you doing? So you guys, I, I went out and I bought a bottle of Ron Zacapa Centenario Ooh. way back in like November, maybe, for okay. the podcast. It's my favorite <laughs> rum. I intended on turning you on to that. I was going to pick up some food for Susan. I wasn't going to buy gonna, you guys fucking dinner, you know. He was going to bring it. Out of town, so. yeah, uh, I was going to well. bring it. I was going to bring you a Steinberger Synapse, a... Parker Fly and an XOX Audio Tools handle to play. Yeah, sure. Not, I'm not greasing not to, not you that much, <laughs> but um, yeah, but, you know, because I I don't know if if either of you have any experience with those. I mean, I was really looking forward to this. Yeah, but um, you know, well, it's smart for us times, to not do you know, that. <laughs> um, the best laid plans of mice yep. and men, as they say. Um, All right, so let's just get a dive into this thing. Uh, Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. And we are each in our secure locations, undisclosed locations, and we are bringing this show to you every week or even more than than once a week. We dropped our first uh, bonus episode just came out, the Leon Russell one. That's right. And uh, it's doing good. It's very well received. Yeah, I think Uh, that um, that there's... uh, um, the um, Hank shared it with the Leon Russell group, and it was very. The Leon, uh, there's a well lot received. of there's a lot of rabid Leon Russell fans. That, yeah, no, uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, as there should be, as there should be. All right, so before we get into the show proper, we have some business to take care of. Uh, we want to welcome our newest patron, uh, Mr. Pete Markle. Thank you, uh, Pete. Pete. Welcome, Pete. Uh, be a uh, patron, uh, Pete Markle. You can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron like our two recent winners we also have That's two right. winners from the um what was the episode the uh, black sabbath, black sabbath. Uh, yeah sure rick sell uh, mob rules at rick sell uh has some uh pure salem guitar swag a t-shirt and hat to mr jay reed yep and stephanie poe mccook and i yeah. they already know i contacted them this stuff is on the way yes and because be- and because i was totally out of the loop 
I was Jay was yeah, like sorry, straight, Jay was like, hey, what do I you know, when do I get my prize? And I was like, Did somebody promise what you prize? something? <laughs> I got you know what? I got a I shout out, I got a shout out to Jay Reeve right here, right now, because he uh, a couple of weeks ago I knew that I was gonna be working at home and that Susan was gonna be working at home. And Jay um, is um, he hooked us up with some cool uh, some some office furniture. So um, yeah, so you're I, comfortable. You're much more comfortable it's, now, right? It's, it's great. Yes, you it's should a, be in a. You should be more pleasant. Theoretically, you should be more pleasant in a better mood now. <laughs> you're well, more I have to say, it's the best best chair I've ever um, sat in. So you wow. know, he he really did me right. Thank All right, you. So and so, thank uh, you, Jay. Thank you, Jay Reeve, and uh, but that was no, that wasn't why he won. It was totally random that he won the prize. Yeah, totally but, random, uh, sure. But all of our, pa- we love all our patrons. So if you we become, do. by the way, uh, what I was saying, if you become a three dollar or more patron, you're automatically entered in all of our uh, prize giveaways. All right, so uh, enough of this dancing around the bush. We do have there a guest, Barry, in a third undisclosed location. That's He's right. calling in, and let's welcome Mr. Larry Smith to the show. Welcome, welcome Larry. Larry. Hey, guys, and wouldn't you know it, um, just as we start recording this, my gardener starts up the... Uh, you I know, I've heard that. That's it. <laughs> like, Let him rip. You, you know what? Are you kidding me? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> what, what are we going to do? At this point, what are we going to do? Right. Like, we, you right, know, the dish, right. Sometimes the dishwasher here goes off and, you know, the cats meow. So that so is Larry, what it is. I've, I've locked all the animals out of the Good, uh, good job. The so, Larry, you are one of the ta- – you and Barry have a, hist- a way back history, way, way back. back to the – Tallahassee punk scene of That's what? Right. Of like the, the late eighties, yeah, late eighties, yeah. right? Yep, yep. Larry, uh, I will say, Larry sent me this very, uh, um, very long uh, bio oh, about himself. Come on. It was just, supposed to be entertaining. Oh, <laughs> let's okay. let's just right. say, okay. Barry, uh, Larry has played in a number of uh, bands with very unfortunate names, one worse <laughs> name than the next. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> His you know, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. But you're a multi-instrumentalist, uh, right? You yeah, play, uh, and you played, last time I saw you play, you had this really cool, weird uh, guitar. Like, it, it's it's not a, a synth guitar, is it? Or is it? No, no, that that was just a Parker Fly. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, uh, I, I have four of those bad boys. Ooh. That's my, that's Ooh. my preferred. There you go. Retirement. That's, that's There's your retirement. In, there you go. Re- exactly. Far, far it's, very, <laughs> it's very, uh, futuristic looking, very modern, futuristic. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. And they've been and, out of business for several years. Oh, they're, oh, they're, okay. oh, they're actually, uh, I oh, did yeah. not realize yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh, so you courted the market on them. Good for you. All right. Yeah. All right. right. So this, so that, that whole modern uh, thing about them being something uh, that's so modern looking and of the future ties in. What is the record that you brought for us to talk about, Larry? I would love today to talk about David Bowie's Scary Monsters. Excellent. Yes. And. And it's come fruits. up on a surprising. <laughs> no, well, that's not the album. That's the it's song. not. You're right. You're right. Um, but um, it's come up on a surprising number of uh, that record got me high podcast. Yeah, it's my. Oh, I, I mentioned. You're right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I have to say that it's my it's my favorite Bowie record. If I'm gonna oh, listen, is it really? oh yeah. If oh, I'm gonna okay. listen to a David Bowie record, it's gonna be oddly enough, it's gonna be Scary Monsters, or it's probably gonna be. 
um, Man Who Sold the World, which is another was a weird one. But you know, uh, I don't I don't own that, and honestly, I'm not sure that I've ever heard it. It's uh, very different. Tail. It's very 70s. Very right, right. That's early. That was early. That was before the whole uh, well, Hunk, trilogy. Hunky oh, Dory is Hunky Dory is another one of my favorites. Yeah, um, yeah. My, yeah. I, I probably play Heroes more than anything else. Because sure. My car has a. Um, it, it's got an internal storage for 17 discs or something in here right. uh, is the only Bowie that I've got loaded in there. Oh, okay. so, right. you know, Cycles around. Without having to hook the phone up and all that. Crap, yeah, you know, that's okay. Well, you're not getting, nobody, you're not getting in your car right. anyway, so now, so it's just no. <laughs> I went out there the other not. day. I went out there to, to go to go get my grocery delivers. You know, they, they were going to, they come out, they bring them out to the parking lot and the car battery was dead, so I had to call a friend to get a jump so oh yeah that's happening to a lot of people now yeah, yeah. I've heard so, that. well um, what are you gonna do anyway so um yeah scary monsters is the for me it's the last it's the, it's the last great great bowie record like okay i think i said last week black star is it's great. Black, it's incredible is, yeah and he also, it still he, raises the hair on my arms man. yeah you know, sure and, oh, right. yeah. the context you know it, when you put it exactly in context. yeah and yeah you know, it was I'm a big I'm one a big it was bowie i think fan. for a lot I'm of people lou was know. bad bowie was really just bowie was one of those people you went bowie gutted me uh yeah. p-town P- P- when p-townsend goes because it's gonna happen that's eventually gonna, it will that's happen. gonna mess with me true um but uh, you know i think he will come up and he will come up in this episode oh well of course he better so um but yeah this, right. so i can't say it's my favorite bowie album for sure it's definitely one okay is it my you favorite know, I, I can't someone, if i'm gonna go if it's if i'm gonna listen to a song there's one, actually if i'm gonna sit and listen to anything bowie has done there's one song on this record that i will listen to and it's my favorite bowie song of all time so it's on this album, so that's how I end up listening to okay. it. So we can uh, okay. talk about that's, that when I get awesome. there. There, there is. This is one of those albums that you've done where I honestly believe there, there's no bad song on the album. No. You know, I mean, I, I was sitting here trying to think of, you know, the guys always talk about their favorite song. They always talk about their least favorite song. Yeah. Is it, yeah. No, there's not. There's, there's not a bad one. It's, and it's, it's probably, that's what, I, I think that's why you could say it's his last great one because he still did a lot of interesting sure. records and a lot of interesting things, but there wasn't one where where you could say that, where you could say, oh, there's yeah. there's, there's no filler, it's all killer. Right. But this right. one definitely this is. This one is that. All right, so let's say it's the 14th, it was his 14th studio album. <laughs> yeah. And it was released September 12th, 1980. So it yeah. was his yep. first in 1980 thing and it was definitely him i feel like this record is him sort of coming to a yeah. uh, to a new part of his career and a new yeah. part of his life and the album speaks to that just the yep. way it is it does Absolutely. it's uh, him taking well because he had just done three records with brian eno and so he, he had that experience and i guess i know that low and heroes were good experiences and i think lodger there was he and eno maybe were not getting along as well and so lodger's a weirder sort of sort of slightly twisted sounding record and yeah. then, it's kind of the, it's kind of the poppiest of the three though right it, it is yeah yeah and i think that david was probably in his mind you know working up towards okay making let's dance frankly because after scary monsters is kind of like closing the door and saying i'm going to do definitively Sure. This thing, you know, 
right. la- this is the, this is it. And after right. this, you know, I don't know whether that's his thinking or not, but that's what happened. Obviously, after this, he went boom. You know, a totally right. just, he became a, a, yep. a, a he became a monster giant star again, and he became again. right right because that's what people maybe won't realize like even though this was his 14 album and, and obviously he was a he was a you know a, a semi-successful recording artist everything but he wasn't the monster that no, he would become that's right. later as yeah, far as superstar right. the the icon yeah, right, right. the icon he was just another guy you know making great you know talented making cool records that yes. he had a certain fan base but he hadn't really broken through even at this point Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even this, you know, this got him uh, number one in the UK, but in the US, it was largely the singles know, I mean, were yeah. flops. Yeah. Actually, yeah. This, in, yeah. in the US, they were flops still, but they're still. Yeah. But now, with the with the help of time, now like uh, Ashes to Ashes and uh, fa- even Fashion, uh, it just sounds now when you listen to them now, you realize, oh wow, you know, it's still right. head and shoulders above so much else that came out in right. 1980. Oh you know? yeah. yeah, I I think at the point when when I had when I bought this record, I know that I had Hunky Dory, Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, and Donnie right, Me too, me too. But yeah, I yeah. don't think I had any of the Berlin trilogy yet. Huh, and exactly. I, exactly. I, I, me too. Same thing. I had been turned on to Robert Fripp by a, a you know, monster guitarist, a guy who could, who could actually play Fripp stuff. And... Um, I was a psychology major and I, you know, always thought about, you know, the emotional context of music and, you know, how, you know, blues music, you know, can, can tear at your soul and all. And, and then, you know, I get turned on to 21st century schizoid, man. There you go. And as a, as a psychology thinker, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a psychologist by any stretch of the imagination, you know, I got a bachelor's degree in it, but, you know, as someone thinking along those lines, it's like, oh, this is what psychosis sounds like. Yeah, right. You know, and and I totally, uh, you know, I just fell hook, line, and sinker for Frith. And around 82 is when, um, in fact, uh, the Tallahassee record bar, uh, Larry Baker, uh, is an artist. And he had painted all of these huge album covers that, that were on the outside of the store. Oh, okay. And, you know, he, he got me in to do inventories at record bar. And if you inventory to record bar, you got to buy at employee discount for the rest of the year. <laughs> so there's like two inventories a year. You go in, you make, you know, like minimum wage for a six or eight hour day, literally counting every record. Sure. And, you know, you get a section of bins and then I, you know, then I got, discounted records so i think i got this around 82 okay um because uh, that would be the timing coinciding with me being turned on to Fripp and sure you know and, the, right. and you know so this was the newest bowie um but i didn't go back and do the berlin trip after i did yeah the, you mean more than just this <laughs> you know you're right that stuff you know as great as heroes is I mean, to me, you know, this represents the pinnacle of of the the Fripp Bowie. Well, it is you know, because it's right. It's it's Robert often plays best when he's a sideman, and that's I'm not the first or the last person that'll say that. And right, right. he, you know, he he plays well. He's playing on Eno's records. Um, he's playing on uh, um, Talking Heads, Zembra. He's playing on, yeah. uh, um, and he's playing on this where he, you know, they. I'll just mention that I'll be playing stuff up underneath some of this is that there you can go and um, there are demo versions of a lot of these songs 
on YouTube. Um, it's called uh, there's a there was a bootleg called Vampires in Human Flesh, and it's got these ver- some of these songs in various stages of completion, and so you can hear them as he's working through them. And um, you know, once Robert's tracks are added, you can see where this he his contribution to this record absolutely makes it what it is like oh yeah it looms large and even there was a quote i read a robert frick quote where he said uh david he gave david credit for being intelligent enough to let him loose and let him do (laughs) what he does on it which (laughs) you know it's very it it doesn't sound very modest but it's true you know you know robert is an insanely i mean he's just one of the best guitar players that have ever lived and but you know for someone to say I guess there was one of the tracks on here. Um, Robert looked at David and said, any suggestions? And David looked at him and said, Richie Blackmore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw oh, that. I That's one, of, one of them, he said, um, imagine you're doing a... a, a- Duel with BB King, <laughs> right? That's right. Like, that's right. Really? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Is, but, but when you listen to Cat Food and think that's Rip playing blues, right? You know, well, it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's um, you know, it's Robert's particular sort of take on things, and he um, what he you know the songs that he's on, you can't imagine him not being on there. No, um, I know. Yeah, it right. totally uh, totally changes them and well, makes them something different. Than yeah. Right. I, I, I've, I've got a cute little uh, uh, Robert Fripp story, and uh, you know, I, well, no one's going to know how far off the mark I am with it. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I know Stuart Hamp, the bass player, and Fripp had played on one of Stu's records. Okay, and uh, Stu may have played on on one of Roberts as well. Sounds familiar, but, yeah. You know, they 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 know each other enough that. Um, I was having dinner with Stu one night, and he tells me, you know, he finds out that I'm a big Fripp fan, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we were doing this uh, this tour where, you know, it's um, they played something like three or four shows consecutively, and and there's this one song that really calls for blues, and every time." Robert played it. He he played something really atonal and not key. And and one of the other musicians came up to him uh, after like the the second or third night and said, Robert, you know, there you you could you know you're you're making some really odd note selection. <laughs> and and uh, he said, you know, there is kind of a a way that people expect the blues to go. And Robert looked at him and said, Well, where would the fun be in that? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's good. So, good yeah. point. <laughs> you know. All right. So. So uh, we should also mention uh, a big part of this record is the producer Tony uh, Visconti. Visconti. Yeah, yeah. And and this was the last record where it was Tony Visconti, Carlos Alomar, Alomar uh, Dennis Davis, uh, and George Murray. George Murray yep. and Dennis Davis, who had played with him basically through the whole uh, mid seventies. Right, was exactly. The final from, one from Young Americans all the way. Yeah. And yep. and but before we get into the record, one funny thing that Tony Visconti, he sort of he, he, this was like a rough time for him because I guess he was going through possibly yeah. splitting well, up his, with his, his wife. wife goes. They were right. like. He was in. He either was in Bowie England with his me. wife. And, yeah, she said either Bowie or me. And he was like, uh, "I got this plane ticket to New York." Well, yeah. and, but the funny thing is, Bowie had asked him to come to New, hurry up to New York because we had all these new, newly yeah, written songs. No, he gets and, there. and then he got there and realized he didn't have any Nothing. songs written. Nothing. No, he's but just like as as, yep. as usual. Bowie's the, the genius of Bowie made it yep. all work out. Of course. All right, so right. let's get let's get into let's the record. 
it opens up with the with the beginning song, which is also going to be the end song, a much different version of the end song. But let's listen to the first track. It's no game number one. So right at the start, yeah, who the is first notes that, Robert Frick. Who is that? But who is that girl too? We she's talked the, uh, about her she's the, just recently. The, she's on yep. the cover of Sparks. Um, Michi, Kimono my Michi house. Hirota. Yeah, Michi Hirota. And she sounds uh, angry, and I'm not sure exactly what she's saying. I'm sure that's it's been it's the, well. Well, well it's, she's he's it's, saying it's, he's it's, repeating what she's saying in uh, English. Uh, it's, it's a translation yeah. of of his lyrics. But yeah. um, I, I read some really interesting stuff. Like even even there. Can I read a Bowie quote? Sure. Yeah, do it. So um, Bowie says, I wanted to break down a particular type of sexist attitude about women. I thought the idea of the Japanese girl typifies it, where everyone pictures them as a geisha girl, very sweet, demure, and non-thinking, when in fact that's the absolute opposite of what women are like. They think an awful lot with quite as much strength as any man. I wanted to caricature that attitude by having a very forceful Japanese voice on it. So I had Hiroda come out with a very samurai kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for so, sure. So, so that is kind of I think his spin on a lot of what I saw was that he actually hired her to coach him in pronunciation and like pace in diction uh, and he, he had sent the, the lyrics off to a, a Japanese man for the translation and she got in there and was telling him it, it doesn't fit you, you right. can't make these words fit that exactly. Okay. And he ended up having her do it. Uh, but yeah. I yeah, do yeah. think, I'm sure he did coach her in, um, because everything that I've read is like, you know, that that's not, Japanese girls don't do that. that you know, uh, that is way right. too right. aggressive. And, yeah, and, and very much so. And it even gets down to, she used like the male pronouns oh, that were originally yeah. translated okay, cool. that, you know, oh, Japanese nice, girls nice. never do. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Well, she well, definitely okay, yeah. sounds. She definitely sounds irritated at that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then David. And then David starts singing, and he's howling. He's oh my screaming. God. It's so, so, so unlike him too. Fifty-four seconds. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot of different voices. You know, he's got that yes. real pretty. You know, oh you pretty things, and and he's got sure. that. You know, I love the deep. You know, the the deep resonant voice. Oh, sure, he heroes. But that, yeah, sure. Yep. But that blown out thing yeah. is like <laughs> really. There's nobody that does that way. Yeah, he he does. Well, yeah, and then the background vocals come in, and he's in there too. So yes, of he's course, in his of course, role yeah. as the greatest 
backup vocalist of all right. time. Absolutely. So Absolutely. You, you've got right at the beginning of this song, you, he just like throws down the gauntlet. He's like, Here, here's right. here's what this record's going to yep. be like. It's going to be something that's unsettling, and it's going to be something that's very um, texturally, very rich, and very uh, um, interesting to the ear. And it's just, it's an incredible opening track. And these were, and these were the only lyrics that he had already because he had. This is from a song he wrote, the first song he ever wrote when he was sixteen. Oh yeah, sure, right. And uh, and they describe someone angry, sort of angry at the world, and it's like a screaming. And he's like, he sounds like he's possessed, and he's literally like (laughs) screaming at the world. Well, I've got a a really embarrassing confession. Um, As long as I've had this record, and as many times as I've listened to it, which is, you know, this is one of those countless things, right? Sure. until I started, you know, re- researching this, um, I had no idea that I thought he was parodying Japanese. I mean, even though it's the same song at the end of the record, and you clearly understand what right. he's saying. Yes. I really oh, you didn't even know he was in, actually. Singing. I didn't know he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like sure. you know what the heck? Right. You know, I thought he was That's parodying funny. Japanese up until the Free Steps to Heaven. No, nope, that was he's, the first thing that I understood. No, nah, he's just even shrinking. The, even the no more is kind of. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a, <laughs> No, no, that that's not that happens a lot actually. When we do records, sometimes I'll discover even a record I listen to a lot. I'll discover oh, I, something I, I never knew. Yeah, or, yeah. or I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I but here, that but really. here, like I said, the same song is repeated at the end, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. words, and it <laughs> never freaking so occurred to me. You know, yeah. silhouettes and shadows. Oh, yeah. Um, All right, so, so, uh, so there's there's I, I I've got to bring there's a line in here. Um, I am barred from the event. I really don't understand the situation. <laughs> right? Mary Ellen Class in Florida, the, the Miami Herald reporter that was barred oh, yeah. from the Oh, right. The barred from the news conference. Briefing, That's right. Barred from the news conference just this past Saturday. That's right. I'm sitting here reading this going, oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Talk about time. And yeah, I saw right? that. I saw that. I saw that little interchange, and it was kind of. It's um. It wasn't. It did not make me happy to see what was no, going no, on. No, and it, it 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 wasn't. You know. You know yeah. yeah. It, no, it's, it's, it was. It's let's just good. say it was emblematic. Emblematic of our times. Right. Right. The um. The the part in here that's the oldest line in the album is the put a, put a bullet in my brain. Put a bullet in the papers. That the papers. was specifically in that very first song that Rob was alluding to. This being you know taken from it's it's not right. the, it's not like all of the lyrics are from that. Song. Right. Right. Oh, right. No, right. No, he no, no. reworked so, them. He reworked them. But so that one. And, and there's uh, some there's some is. interesting exactly. other reworked things in here. Um, there's a song from 1972 that he reworked. He had. Uh, and he had given to this bizarre soul singer. And we'll get to that when we get there. It's further down the road. Oh, yeah. Right, right. All right, so uh, speaking of Robert... uh, Uh, There's there's one other note that I made that I I wanted to to bring up, and that's um, I made a note on the angularity of Fritz's guitar playing in the breaks. I think he's been listening to Andy Gill. I think he's been listening to some Gang of Four. And I know Fritz has done a lot of that stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Well, his Just playing around this it, time was definitely, his playing um, around this time, definitely he was using one particular chord a lot. He had this tritone that he really liked, which was like, right. the, the people call it the Jimi Hendrix chord, but it's when you play it up a lot higher on the guitar, right. um, it's, it has a particular shrieking sound. And so... <laughs> yeah, the, it sounds uh, like a shriek, right? It like does. A and, he, and he's also doing a lot of... Um, 
per, like percussive sort of octave things and alternating octave things that were very emblematic of his playing during this period. And so he it was he had a uh, an ensemble during this time called uh, the League of Gentlemen, Robert Fripp yep. and the League of Gentlemen. And so the playing on the League of Gentlemen records is similar to that. But then right. when he goes to um, right after you know this very not too long after this he forms a group called Discipline with Adrian Ballou and Tony well, Levin and Bill King, Bruford. Right, King, King Crimson's album Discipline, right? Well, no, the group was called Discipline, and then oh. at some point Robert said, um, "I think this is King Crimson," and so that's when. And but that was very much a different animal than again. He sort of went through this punk rock new wave guitar playing phase as, you know, Robert Fripp would. Right. And then um, became, you know, and then he went back to this, went to something very different with King Crimson. Um, right. Well, that's good, though. I, I definitely do hear some Andy Gill, though. Oh, now sure, that you mention sure. it, I think, oh, yeah, the, the well, he late was, great he had Andy been, Gill. He had been living, that, oh, my God, I forgot about that, yeah. He had yeah, also yeah. been living in New York, um, and I think... I'm going to mention another group that I think he might have heard and someone who might have influenced him, and that's Lydia Lunch. And she had a band called Eight-Eyed Spy, and Eight-Eyed Spy had a particular sort of bizarre, angular nuttiness with her singing over it, of course. And I think Robert probably saw and heard Eight-Eyed Spy, and that made an impression on him as well. So we should... We should. Uh, all right, let's get to the uh, the next song. Is also Robert Fripp's all over this next song, the second song, and uh, he said uh, I read something Robert Fripp saying that the lyrics for this next song partly referred to the French artist Marcel uh, Duchamp. Duchamp. Uh, Duchamp, and uh, and he tried to interpret that in his playing on it, uh, which is kind of oh. interesting <laughs> when you think of that. But let's listen to a little of Up the Hill Backwards. Robert starts doing all sorts of sort of what was the choice? What do you say about the um, odd note choices um, yeah. in the blues playing? He definitely adds what he adds to this record is to is to the off kilterness. Well, yeah, because it album. makes this because I forgot. Like listening to it, the first part of the song is very just like kind sure. of a, a kind of a very catchy right. sort of yeah. soul, a little bit of a yeah, soul. Sure. And then yep. when he then, comes right. in halfway through, <laughs> it's like and, right. and it's funny. 
it's funny that he mentioned that he uh, that Bowie, I guess, must have told him that it, it, it was uh, referred partly to uh, the French artist uh, Duchamp. Michael. Yeah, okay. Duchamp because it's sort of surrealist, uh, a Dadaist, you know, yeah. the, the, the playing. Right. And then actually, when you read the lyrics, it kind of sort of brings it through because uh, it's got nothing to do with you if if one can grasp it. Uh, a series of shocks, sneakers fall apart, earth keep on rolling, witnesses falling. So the lyrics themselves are a little surrealist, uh, cut right. pace, you know? And also yep. the first part of the song is in seven, not eight. So uh, it's got a seven, eight Bo Diddley beat. So, oh, right, right. right. Yeah, and yeah. which gives it a little bit of a weird, like, um, thing. And then it kicks into that little pop bit. You're like, oh, it's, it's going to go into a little pop song. And then, of right, course... Right. He starts soloing, and you're like, you know, just it's like almost like squeezy, weird, seasick sounding yeah. notes, you know. Well, you know, the, the solo, uh, this song has my favorite line, the I'm okay, you're so-so. You know, I, I think that's Those of us from the 70s who grew up in the 70s, yeah. there was a book called I'm okay, I'm okay you're, you're okay. okay. And David, <laughs> David obviously saw that and yeah. was like, eh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've met hey, enough people so-so. that I can he can make a blanket statement. I'm okay. You're so so. Um, <laughs> That's great. I've, I've got another another Bowie quote from an interview he was doing with a writer from NME that was trying to interview him without having heard this. <laughs> and 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 Bowie says, "I still adopt the view that music itself carries its own message, instrumentally. I mean, that's why I'm furious you didn't get to hear the album because the lyrics taken on their own are nothing without right. the secondary subtext of what the musical arrangement uh, has agreed. to say. Sure. And right. the fact that so on the Berlin trilogy, he was, you know, doing it on the fly. He's making stuff up in the studio. Right. And, you know, a lot of it gets committed. And here he actually, he had the bass tracks. He took them home. He spent two months with them actually right. fleshing out songs. And right. so he's feeding off the music that's there. He's not feeding off Rip yet, you know, but he's, he's feeding right, off right. The, the, exactly. the, the music that's there. And, you know, it's, it's kind of kind of profound and kind of um you know the guy it's he's not all david bowie you know it's i mean you know think about it these days you could easily have somebody well of of course it, it you know the, the lyrics are all that matters because i wrote them or you know something like that right right oh, no, saying, he dude, definitely dude, realized you, yeah. you, you read the lyrics and you didn't listen to the tune right, yeah. right. that's yeah. so true that's great all right so now we get to the title, title track. track of the record uh let's listen to a little bit of scary monsters and super creep Running, 
that vocal that treatment on the vocals there which makes it sound like it's underwater or there's something wrong with the tape just yeah, right. adds to the unsettling yep. um yep. And, and, and once again robert brings the the color commentary in there right. that, that makes it what it is you know um, it's, right. And the, another funny thing about this song is that it's an acoustic guitar song. It's driven. Yeah. It's driven yep. by acoustic guitars. Yep. Right. And, right. Well, the the uh, phenomenal Tallahassee band that probably predated you, uh, Persian Gulf, did a spectacular version of this. And, really? Uh, more, yeah. More yeah. Jazz no, that was before master, my time. You know, but um, uh, oh man, they were they were spectacular at it. Um, yeah, so the guitar opener, you know, that she began to like, wail. Jealousy scream waiting at the lights. Know what I mean? Jimmy's I guitar sound. I don't know what he mean. What? All right, all right. Waiting here's my, at the lights. You know what I mean? Well, here's my take on it. <laughs> this, this song, I feel like this song uh, describes uh, the feelings of an obsessed. Someone's uh, obsessed, like an obsessive man, and he yeah. meets this woman that he thinks maybe is a girlfriend that's going to ground yes. him. But then no. he's a good influence. <laughs> right. But eventually. Right. It's it's almost like a, a crazy girlfriend song. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, they were but blue, can, but nobody home. Once yeah. he says that, but we know all. Can, we all know exactly that those the people you meet, and you're like, you meet them and you chat them, and then all of a sudden you look and you go, men, men and women, and you go, uh oh, nobody right. home. Right. <laughs> all right, but but Bowie has compared the uh, like the uncertainty. Like at this point, it was sort of the uncertainty of what his upcoming career was going to look like in the '80s, and he compared that to the anxiety one feels when they're entering a new relationship. Uh, so it's kind of right. like I feel like this song is kind of like a metaphor for two things, or it could. Some people say it's uh, just about Angie. Angie Bowie. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that right. that, well, that, they, that, that, that the the divorce was just finalized. Right? That's it. Yeah. Right, right, that's right, it. Right. This is his post. His uh, his rebound record, and he does, and he still he throws in these little brutal jabs because he oh, goes shit. now she's now she's stupid in the stupid street and she street can't socialize, and then he yep. goes well I love the little girl and I love her till the day she dies, not the day yep. I love her till the day I die, I love her till <laughs> right. the day she dies. Yep, yep. Um, oh, David. This song has a lot of really neat sounds in it too. Oh that my god, yeah. descending oh, yeah. sound. I always thought it was like boom, a rototom or something, boom, but I, I think it's people singing. I, I, Note I want to mention. I I put down this. You know, this is to me Fripp's best work on the album. 
I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I love all of his parts, but this is just crazy, crazy yeah, good. Yeah, the, the ascending crazy, line yeah. that just goes forever. Yes, is, yeah, right, you know. right. I know exactly what you mean. It is. It's just when you listen to it in headphones and you hear all the shit that's going yep. on that he's doing, it's amazing. All right, so let's yep. take a little break. Uh, we're going to refresh uh, whatever we're all drinking. Um, rum, I guess. Uh, Larry has rum. Our drinks. I'm drinking rum. Fancy rum that he would have brought to us if it wasn't for I was uh, going to bring you a bottle of Ronza Capo Centenario, and I was going to leave it at whoever's host was hosting. All right, so So. we're with – oh, well, that's good to know for next time. (laughs) All right, so we're talking to uh, Larry Smith. We're talking David Bowie, Scary Monsters. We'll be back in a minute with more of that record got me high. Everybody just hang on. Yes, hang on. Yeah. Um, On the album, there are two versions of – it's no game. The uh, the opening track and the closing track, both done in completely polarized styles. Uh, I think the I think the reasoning behind that stemmed from wanting to not come out with one blatant sort of protesty song, but show that feelings of uh, anxiousness about society are expressed on different levels and with different intensities, and the. The course of the album takes you through a lot of the doubting and the uh, um, dilemmas that I myself as a writer find myself in. And so you open with one kind of protest which gradually and insidiously becomes something less traumatic by the end, end of the album. Anyway, that's the way it's, it was originally focused. And now the, the, the opening version, it's almost not uh, inarticulate at times, the, the vocals on it. And it owes an awful lot to John Lennon. Um, but there again, he was always had that same intensity that I've, I hope that I capture in some of my things when, it, when I try that kind of move. Um, and the Japanese girl in it, I wanted to break down a particular kind of sexist attitude about women, in, and I thought that the Japanese girl typifies it, where everybody sort of um, pictures them as the, the geisha girl and very sort of sweet and demure and non-thinking. When in fact that is the absolute opposite of what women are like. They think an awful lot <laughs> with quite as much strength as uh, any man. Um, so I, I wanted to sort of caricature that kind of attitude by having a very forceful Japanese voice on it. So I had a girlfriend of mine come out with a very sort of samurai kind of feeling. That's a very odd piece of music because it's... Uh, it's um, what, it, what happens in, by the end of it is that it actually makes some kind of commitment. Um, but on first hearing, it sounds as though it's a very sort of shrugged, almost cynical, uh, there's nothing we can do about it kind of attitude, which is thrown at you on a very M.O.R. voiced kind of track. Um, so it really sort of sounds like the epitome of indifference. But in fact, the, I blocked it uh, from beginning to end with the extraordinary high-energy frip quasi bow diddly thing that happens in the beginning and the end, which sort of bookend it and give it another kind of uh, switch. It has far more power than it would f- at first seem as a, a, a commitment. In fact, it has a very strong commitment, but it, it's disguised in indifference. It's sort of, no, it's a, it really is a sort of a nasty piece of Londonism. It's uh, the character on that, and it is a character, it's not at all subjective, that was objective about the few people I've met. 
Actually, he's he's a sort of a, a he's a criminal with a, a conscience. I think maybe it is about me. Let's see. Um, he talks in terms of how he corrupted a fine young mind. Um, so it's the the corruptor talking, having his own self doubts. I think. When I was thinking of how I was going to place uh, Major Tom in, in this, hence ten years later on, what would be the complete disillusion with the with the great dream that was being propounded when they shot him into space ten years ago and had got such wonderful ideas. Um, this great technology was capable of putting him up there. When he did get up there, he wasn't quite sure why he'd been put there. And we left him there, but now we come to him ten years later and we find that the whole thing has soured because there was no reason for putting him up there. It was an ego. All right, so you ready? Uh, we rolling? We're, yeah, we, you know, I don't turn it off anymore. Oh, okay. So you got me and Larry talking <laughs> shit about you. Oh, boy, that Barry really thinks a lot of himself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Him sure. in his fancy, expensive office chair. <laughs> if I, uh, yeah, <laughs> than us because well, he's got a fancy well, office. Well, chair. since we're since we're not, we can this. We're not gonna put this on the show. I can say that. All right, let's get. Let's get back into this. We're back. This is that word got me high. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we're talking to our friend Larry Smith. We're all in our own little caves, but we're bringing the show to you, and we're talking about David Bowie's Scary Monsters. And now we're up to, uh-oh, Major Tom's a drug addict <laughs> yeah, now. Right. <laughs> let's, he sure let's is. Let's listen to uh, Ashes to Ashes. Piano player Roy playing the piano, but yeah, and uh, but oh, they put this man. effect. They put that effect on the piano that just. <laughs> right. oh, and just I'm gonna so say great. I just heard David say something in that I I think. 
You just I, heard him? Or were you, no, no, were you no. Having I heard a something that I've, ne- I've ne- <laughs> I heard something I'd never heard before. David's sing. There's a couple of Davids during the chorus, and right. one of the Davids says, "Ashes to ashen, junk to junkie." We oh, know oh, right, to right. funky. We know instead of ashes to ashes. So right. ashes to ashen. Um, he okay, turns right. gray. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like a like a yeah, junkie. This is this is obviously the lyrics a lot about uh, drug addiction, but but about so much more than that. But for mm-hmm. me, these are some of my favorite David Bowie Great lyrics. And this lyrics. Is, this is this oh, is absolutely. an example, I think, of why <laughs> he needed to take the two months to write. Like, I don't think he could have yep. written this type of song no, like off uh-uh. the cuff. You no. know what I mean? No. Right. Uh, but just the lyrics. Time and again, I tell myself, I'll, I'll stay, stay clean, clean tonight. tonight. But the, the little, little green, green wheels, wheels are following, following me. And you go, Oh no, not again. <laughs> you go, Okay. I've never been a junkie. I've been, a, you know, I've been addicted to things, but not right, like right. that. Right. But you go, you know, you can just imagine the little green wheels are following me. It's yeah, like. Yeah. It, so so I, I also saw the little green wheels refer to rolled up dollar bills for snorting coke. Oh, okay. <laughs> for him, for him, that's a big deal because I do yeah. think that I do think he went back to cocaine. I think yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that this was, um, you know, well, a valuable friend. Cocaine is very expensive. <laughs> well, and oh, that, that was another thing. Valuable, I'm yeah, right. Valuable friend, like in mainlining, but I don't. And what? Think, and what are ashes? Ashes are like powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh, but strung out just the line strung out in heaven's, heaven's high, high hitting yep. hitting it all time low. I mean, yep. it's just so great, freaking brilliant. So the, it's, it's poetry. The video now, the video for this one <laughs> at, at, at the time it was directed by David uh, Mallet, and uh, it, yes. it cost two hundred fifty thousand pounds. So mm-hmm. it was the mo- at the time it was Incredibly the most expensive, expensive, most expensive video, video ever. Yep. Yep. But it's a really great video. Uh, David's dressed as that. Uh, a Piero, it's called. Yes, like Piero, right. Like yes, yeah. But yeah. the 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 whole video is really it's creepy. It's cool. But what gets me is the outro with him, where there's just an older woman. It looks like it could be his his mother, and she's right. just like talking at him, oh, and he's yeah. just listening to her, and it's uh, so affecting. It's like mm, it's nothing. Yep. And that's the part where uh, my mama says to get things get done, done. Better, yep. not, better mess not mess with, with so Major this Tom. Could be, this could be him sort of listening to his better things, saying, oh, I'm going to give yeah. up all that stuff. I'm yeah. going to start getting myself serious. I'm not going to mess right. with that stuff anymore. Yeah, and right. then the 80s, the, as we know, the 80s were a... Um, well, yeah, that's... <laughs> a hard time well, the, to... Uh, the, I, I agree that the lyrics on this are, are, you know, they're great. I mean, this is a great follow-up to Space Oddity. Yes, but the freaking band is incredible. Yes, you know George Murray's bass. Honestly, you know I play bass. I didn't know who the hell George Murray was. I mean, I just never really paid attention. And I start diving into this stuff, and you know he disappeared after this. He just you know. Well, imagine being. I think I think these guys probably thought uh, they they probably thought you know oh we're Bowie's rhythm section, Carlos Alomar, you know, right? And the, the, the same thing where they thought. This is just we're going to do this from now on, and then David just right. you know changes yeah. course. Yeah. That's how it happens. Yeah. Well, the um, the atmospherics at the end of this mm. are uh, Chuck Hammer with the guitar synth. guitar synthesizer. And that's right. 
Oh yeah. yes, that's right. You that's know, he was uh, Lou Reed. That, he played with Lou Reed playing, at the time, right? right? Did, exactly, yes. exactly. And the idea that Fripp wasn't playing guitar synth yet, when you know he was an early, you know, monster of the Roland GR three hundred. Sure, sure, right. So on Discipline, one year later, you know, he's he's all over it with right. with the same, yeah, effectively the same tool. Correct. Right. Um, but yeah, that I mean, that atmospheric part is is gorgeous. But you know, it Carlos is. Alomar's guitar, every you know, like da da, every every thing is punctuated with like a, a descent. You know, you hit a chord yeah. and you slide yeah. it down. Yeah, and it's you know just well, everything he was, about he was this. David's, this is a freaking you know, he was David's song. musical director, so yeah, yeah, he was you know, and uh, everybody's career. You know, there's whenever you're working for an artist like Bowie, you. Don't or, or even or especially Lou Reed, someone like Lou Reed, you know, don't count on the fact that the next record you're going to be on because right, right. That, as they found out, um, you know, he sw- he changed it up. Yeah, which is has been replaced a couple of times. Sure, and, sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah. All right, so uh, there's a brand new dance, but I don't know its name. <laughs> uh, but it's it's in this next song. Let's listen to a little bit of fashion. It's like somebody put a screwdriver in a wall socket and started right, right. messing around. Yep. With they do it well, over but, there. But Fripp, Fripp described his here. playing as blues rock with a contemporary grammar. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but yeah, that's, the lyrics. That's like too. under. I feel like that's underselling it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, and the lyrics are apparently this song was gonna be um, like he he was gonna leave it off the record and he had different lyrics for it and right 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 well, right. I've, I've actually got a. I've got a Tony Visconti quote about that. 
uh, to him. He said, David couldn't get beyond the working title Jamaica for months. The day oh. before he wrote the lyric, he told me he'd probably drop the song. I implored him to write a lyric because this was probably the most modern and commercial sounding track on the album. He returned to the studio early the next day announcing, I've got it. This was the last vocal we recorded for the album and mixing commenced that wow. evening. Wow. Damn. Ah. So, <laughs> and so he ended up being inspired by the Kinks, um, a dedicated follower of fashion. Oh, he, yeah. said he, sort of, he looks at it as being like a sequel to that. Uh, it's a right. dedicated follower oh. of fashion. But he's really he's so he's so he's blasting like the the shallow nature of oh, the yeah. fashion sure. industry. But you know, he also has a, a morbid fascination with the fashion. One hundred percent. Yep. And yep. there's an implicit analogy between fashion and what. Fascism. Oh, of course. Yes. Oh, yeah. We are and the goon squad, the, and we're coming to town. And, and turn to the left down. and right. And David has always had little problems. In, in uh, I saw it in, in yeah. yeah. He caused a controversy after he made some pro-fascist comments, including calling Hitler one of the first rock stars. This is a great Bowie quote, because Bowie later blamed his wacky comments on the huge amounts of drugs that oh, he was consuming right. at yeah. the time. Right. Sure. <laughs> and, and in the per- of the thin white duke um right you know that's that's all part of that thing and and it is yeah. kind of the you know it is kind of the 800 pound gorilla because you've got you know you've got some people that are just you know enigmatic and charismatic and you want to love everything about them and most people fuck up somewhere along the sure. lines you know and yeah. and um you know whether he really was doing it in character and having nothing to do with him he spent a lot of time disavowing it later um, yeah, but the the other thing about this is, um, you know, him, this is where he's really taking a shot at the new romantics and the new waivers, and specifically Gary Newman. Yeah, uh, I yeah, saw one he, thing where they he said had you know, a the real beep, thing beep. with Gary he Newman. Had a real he thing with Gary Newman. He didn't like Gary Beep being a, a jab at Gary Newman because Cars came out the year before. Yeah, it was a huge hit for him. Yes, Beep. beep. And um, <laughs> right. Oh, I never well, thought actually, of that. What do you know? Go, well, actually, then we should go right into this next song because speaking of that, my, my favorite, song, my favorite David Bowie yep. song it's of all great, time. This is a great. This oh, is this a great is it. Song. This is it. Very well. Teenage Wildlife. It, it is great a great song. song. Let's listen to a little Teenage Wildlife. <laughs> Jones 
we got we have the we have the dual we have the dual guitars. We got Fritz uh, and Chuck Hammer, well, sort of like. It's, Carlos, uh, it's actually I think it's Carlos Alomar playing the <laughs> the other guitar because that's what David said he wanted a guitar dual sound between Carlos and um, and then Chuck Hammer is playing. He plays. There's another melody line that's in oh, okay, there. Okay, so he's on it too. All right. Yeah, all right oh my yeah. God! Yeah, it's a. Cause, it's yeah, a, they're all on there. The, yeah. Well, so, so so there's a part in there. One of the rhythm aspects is this shifting diatone. Uh-huh. And I'm telling you right now, I, I swear to God, it's the same thing Fripp plays on Exposure on the song Mary. Oh sure, it could it, be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, everybody has a as a vocabulary, you know, that they right. use in their playing. Right. Um, and well, this song, this song itself is very heroes is very heroes like too, it right? Is. Yes. And one thing I noticed a lot, most of the songs in this record, with the exception of maybe Ash to Ashes, are really very simple in the basis of them. They're basically yes. now they're this has, but this song has it's a lot of different, it has different parts. This song has a lot of different little parts, and so it plays out kind of like um, a stage play with this character who, uh, you know, you're led to believe is is Gary Newman, and he's. You know, well, yeah, because he, especially the line he says, same old thing and brand, brand new, new drag, drag comes sweeping into view right, yeah. as ugly as a teenage millionaire <laughs> pretending it's a whiz kid it world. Was. David, what shall I do? They wait for me in the hallway. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know any hallways. And he, um, I, I'm going to, the odd thing about it is as much as his, he had a disdain for Gary Newman or for whatever reason, because Gary obviously, and, and he said, I don't, you know, I didn't make any bones about the fact that I'm, you know, I was a huge Bowie fan and that that was kind of what I was doing was a yeah. particular, I, I, what comes across in this song is a certain amount of jealousy on, on Bowie's part. Yeah, maybe. That he's, um, he's looking on it and he's sees that they're onto something. Yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of doing well, his thing. Well, Cars, Cars was a big um, America hit in America, and Bowie hadn't had the, the hit in that, America. Even exactly. the fashion right. wasn't a hit in America. It was a flop in America. Right. That's but, but, you know, like, and no one will have seen, and no one will confess the fingerprints will prove that you couldn't pass the, the test. test. You know, that's like, uh. he's He's very, he's very um, irritated, and I think some of the irritation has to do with the fact that he sees... Um, he's getting a little older yeah. and he's made these three records that were, you know, Godhead albums here, you know, Low Heroes Lodger. Yeah. And then all of a sudden these kids come along and they're doing something sort of similar and everybody's like, yeah. wow, they're, look yeah, at stealing, that. Stealing some of his thunder a little but bit. Right. Bowie was also a magpie and picked up and stole things. Oh, yeah. um, oh, he was sure, very clever about doing right. that. So um, it's a very complicated song when you emotionally um, yeah. and but it, it's it, you know, and it's a long song. It's one of his longest songs we ever uh, recorded, in fact, maybe the longest of well, seven minutes station or something. Like. St- station, station, ten. Right, station, station's got a lo- <laughs> as a long, as a long <laughs> intro a long. though, as a long intro. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but th- like this song musically, like Roy Batan's piano. Oh part, yeah! Oh my god! It, you know, you, you have to listen into it because it's not like popping out of the mix. Yeah, but, but it's there. And when when Fripp is doing this breathtaking solo yeah the piano is freaking going man. yeah sure <laughs> yeah just like everything on this oh. everything you know that they did on this um 
you know, they hit some sort of high water. This is a high water mark right. for a lot of no, these I, musicians. I can, see right. this, I can see this being anybody's, you know, a favorite song, period. Um, sure. I, I, another note that I made here is the lyrical cadence is genius. You know, this is poetry. The, uh-huh. you know, the, the yeah. just the cadence of the whole thing. You, you yeah. read the lyrics and, and you listen to it and it's like, you know, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is yeah. right, right. And then, you know, Fripp's outro flourishes. Yeah, Robert is just Robert is just is just on fire here in in a very particular way. Where some you know somebody basically turned him loose and said, "Okay, go," and um, that's what he does. You know, or what he did in 1980. Um, Yeah, it's 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 a it's a uh, it's a brilliant brilliant. It's a good one. All right, so we were talking about his uh, fascination with. um, Fascism. So speaking of a fascist dystopian society, <laughs> let's listen to a little bit of Scream Like a Baby. So poor Sam in this song, right? Sam, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, poor so, Sam. I'd have to ask while the song was playing. Did Larry? Did the lawnmower go past your window? Is that what? No, that's I think that no, I no. I turned on I turned on the air here because I'm dying here in the room, so I turned it off. I'll turn it I'll turn it off again. I just had to get a no, little. No, it's not loud thing. now. It's just when it came on, I thought it sounded like a jet taking off, right. and I was like, wow. I thought it sounded like a jet taking off. That's I figured exactly I would it. do it when the music played. Uh, well, well, they came down hard. They came down hard on the faggots, and they came down hard on the street. They came down harder on Sam. And they all knew he was beat. He was yeah. thrown into the wagon, blindfolded chains, and they stomped on us and took away our clothes and things and pumped us full of strange drugs. Yeah. So yeah, so this is not a happy. This is not no. a happy. Song. And and you know, this time. is before Bowie did the interview where he, you know, took back the '72 interview where he claimed to be gay. Oh, oh right, right. Oh, really? so oh, so okay. you know, kind of hanging out there is yes. the fact that you know, he's at, right. at least at this point, I think most people assumed he's bisexual, you know, because he's been married sure. for ten years, yeah, you know, right. so they're assuming he's bisexual. But right. um, it wasn't until '83 when he said, "Yeah, kind of made that up." Right, right. So, well, um, he was. Um, he, you know, the '70s were. Um, I should mention the, the album "Station to Station." He claims to he have he was doing so much cocaine yep. that he doesn't remember doesn't writing remember writing or recording the album <laughs> but so, it's such a good album it's, it's yeah it's, my, it's, it's know, probably that, my second favorite yeah that's why record. i can't yeah. say you know i got a favorite you're like oh come on yeah sure um but you know this song again the, the, you know 
George's bass playing. Uh, oh, it's like, incredible, yeah. Oh, my God. No, I should, oh, so here's where I should mention that this song originated. Um, is a 1972 song called I Am a Laser, which he wrote and gave to a woman named Ava Cherry. And ah. um, it is straight up, I'll play it, you'll hear it, and it is this song right. um, that he has reclaimed and um, wrote new lyrics for. Um, right. And but the Ava Cherry song is really kind of crazy too. Well, he was so. he was going to use "I Am a Laser" for for uh, the Soul Trio, the Astronauts. Oh, exactly right. Okay. Yep. Right. Right. And so he, but, Ava Cherry ended up with it. Right. But but like I I haven't heard the Ava Cherry version. It's but really it's really this good. This song, the way it opens, it's like foreboding overtones. Oh yeah. Oh, it's terrible. You know, yeah, yeah, it's scary. Just yes. The, um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. And then but, the bridge where Bowie's on two tracks and, you know, one speeds up and one oh, slows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's very... That's yes. the kind of Visconti magic yeah. well, shit. There's that, the, you know, and there's, this is the off... This record has all the off-kilter elements. Like, there were some things right. on Lodger that started to come in where there was this off-kilterness to it. This is where they all sort of materialize in a way that makes sense, where he's like tape speed and voices going up and voices going down and gurgly sounds right and, right right um, right right making this an up very and then <laughs> what the next record he makes has none of that it's got yep. you know it's got clean everything and stevie ray vaughn playing lead guitar yep. and yep. big hits and um oh all, yeah that's right all of this um, is, is good yeah. bye-bye so I didn't even own uh, "Let's Dance Until After After David Died." Yeah, I haven't you know, heard I figured, it in a while. I figured if the if the family's getting royalties, it's worth buying all the you know. <laughs> I heard it. Sure. I, I tell you what, I heard, I heard it a lot that time because it was on the radio all the time. Remember those three? Of those course. songs? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. All right, so this surprisingly he picks a a Tom Verlaine song, which to me is kind of surprising. He, he does. covers a Tom Verlaine song. Let's listen to a little bit of "Kingdom Come." This was on Tom Berlain's just a year before on his debut it was, solo record. This was a, there's been a television song going back to 1975 with, oh, really? with okay. different, same lyrics, but different music. So um, if you go back, there's various, you know, you can hit YouTube or there's 
various versions of it. So yeah, it was a television song that they played all through the, the you know. It's good. He does a good version. My my favorite factoid about this is that he they brought Tom Verlaine in to play on it, but he never. <laughs> they didn't. They said he fiddled around. It. He fiddled around with the amps and and the different amp. Oh, they played. Like, he ended up playing hour. something, but never they, they used it on the record. <laughs> I right. think Tom they had, is. They I had think, something like thirty amps in the studio, and he spent right. he spent most of the day tweaking all of them to see what sounds he could get. Right. And they, and, and, yeah. I think Tom's. So probably, a, I think Tom Berlain is a very probably a very unusual, strange guy. Um, yep. And um, you know, once again, you go. You couldn't have done any better than what Robert Fripp adds to this song. No, another, right, right, yep. right. Yeah. Another just masterpiece of 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 tone painting over this over yep, this right. song. All right. So speaking but, of bringing you know, in, uh, go ahead. Well, ahead. I, I was going to say the you know the weird thing about this is as far as being a Tom Verlaine cover. If you listen to the Tom Verlaine version, he's he says you know till the kingdom comes. It, it's a refrain during the verse. Like every line has, you know, till the kingdom comes. Right. And and in this version, it doesn't happen until the outro. Right. You know, right. Kinda, right. David knows. Yeah, David true. knows what to do with the song. Yeah. He yeah. does. Yeah. He does. Probably. Yeah. More than poor Tom. All right. But speaking of bringing in a, a guest guitar player, that's kind of a strange, unusual chap. We got a guest. Uh, player that did uh, play on this next one and let's listen to Because You're Young Obviously, the guitar player we're talking about is uh, Pete Townsend, who uh, was apparently play on this. drunk and in a bad mood when he showed in a up. Really <laughs> bad mood, yeah. <laughs> Which I, I don't think was unusual. And there's a the little known, the little publicized, or at least probably not as well publicized uh, thing about Pete Townsend at that during that time period was that he had begun smoking heroin, uh, powdered into his dropped into his cigarettes, and so he wasn't just drunk; he was a junkie. And right. um, which wow. is you, yeah, which is an, you go by 1980. Pete Townsend is a junkie. Yes, Pete Townsend yeah. and wow. uh, Charlie yeah. Charlie Watts as well. 
So uh-huh. go go figure. You know, everybody. I guess if you're in rock and roll long enough, um, yeah, you could do whatever you want. Really. <laughs> it's right around the time it's passing too. Right? It's got a. Oh, that's true. Um, sure. Yeah, you know. Um, and um, uh, the all the best cowboys have Chinese uh, empty, empty glass. Had, empty glass, uh, right? Just come out, and that. And was you can uh, so True. So, so I don't think that this is only Pete playing on this, but you could tell you could tell that's him at the beginning, right? Sure. You could hear oh, that's yeah, him. Yeah. That's yeah, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got that thing, you know. Right. We got that. Pete it's got that thing. Um, all right, so this song itself, he's talking about getting older. Uh, 33, basically, David, he was like 33 years old Jesus making this. Christ, it's not, Jesus, not that old. Jesus. But uh, maybe this is this is like a, a message to like the young up-and-comers, you know? Cause, uh, but the lyrics in this, uh, to me, seem more like the Berlin period, like cut-and-paste style. Yes, uh, but, agreed. Right, right. But on the chorus... Well, it, is telling a, it is telling a nice story, you know? Is it what's right? the story? It, it's, I don't know. Well, it, it's, the... it's like an it's a, it's an older, wiser guy seeing you know a young couple and thinking you know. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. But yeah, that's and, you know, it's like hey, you know, I I know how it's gonna end, but you figure yeah. It out. <laughs> so I'll dare yeah because he says uh, um, because you're young, you'll meet a stranger some night. Because you're young, what could be nicer for you? And it makes me sad. So I'll dance my life away. A million dreams, a million scars. One million yep. dreams. Yes. <laughs> a million dreams. And what a voice. Holy shit, what a yeah. voice. Yes. Uh, do you think? I know. Yeah. That's yeah. uh, yeah, great. All right, so now we get to the final song on the record, which is a reworking. It's the second version of the opening well, it's the song. first version. Oh, this was version. Song. Oh, this was version one. This, this oh. is the only song that was completed at the Power Station recording. This what do you know? The only song okay, okay. they left there with. And part one, you know, was done back at Tony Visconti's studio. Ah, oh, okay. Right. But, but, but this definitely makes sense where it is, though, at the end of the record. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of the second version with only Bowie, no angry Japanese woman on this one. Right. Let's listen to It's No Game number two. Silhouettes and shadows. Watch the revolution. No more Three steps to heaven Just walkie-talkie Heaven or heart Just big heads and drums Full speed and pagan And it's no So what's missing from this that's on the in the entire the rest of the album? Not it's that off kilterness. This song right. yeah, is this at the is end. Great. It's almost like oh, smooth sailing now. You've, yep. right. you've yep. made it through the whole record, and now we're gonna have this soft, pulsing song that doesn't assault you and it doesn't right he's not screaming he's not screaming anymore (laughs) but isn't doing something funky correct right 
So it's yep. almost like he's sort of harnessed all of his power he's had. He's harnessed it, and he's ready to move on to the yeah, next chapter, exactly. which is going to be a little more reserved. Uh, and, oh, sure. for Totally. And now, when he throws out the lines like, to be insulted by these fascists, it's, it's so, so degrading. degrading. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's just so... Yep. <laughs> well, he, he spoke directly about why he chose to bookend the album with the song. Okay. He said, I think the reasoning behind that stems from not wanting to come out with one blatant sort of protesty song, but show that feelings of anxiousness about society are expressed in different levels intensities. The course of the album takes you through a lot of doubting and dilemmas that I myself as a writer find myself in. That's him, not yeah. me. I'm not doubling myself in. And so yeah. you open with one kind of protest which gradually and insidiously becomes something less traumatic by the end of the album. There you go. Yep, that's great. I so, think that's very clever know. that he came up with that. I don't I do not trust artists own interpretation no, no, no. of their that, work. That's him talking about it after it's sure, done, sure, he's had sure. a chance to... <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> you know, now, what do you does. guys? Now, what do you guys make of that sound at the end? Because I think I figured out what it is. That sound. Uh, at the end the the tape. There's a tape running off the reel, it's right? Tape running out. Yeah, the reel. And, yeah, and you right. know what? I couldn't for a while. Though, also, I couldn't figure out what it was. That's also the sound at the opening. It's the tape it's, beginning. It's like the it's tape. The, but, it's him hitting yeah. rewind. Yeah. And then play. Right. All the thunking and then that that. Yeah. Is they've they they're stereo miking tape deck. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. They're basically. Larry, exactly. That's Larry, That's the sound. En- Larry Smith, sound engineer, talking. Yeah, so. you got it. <laughs> so th- this to um, me, this is this is his deepest record. Like this is the one where you go like Star. You know, it's like Zevon's it's like Zevon's, you know, finale and yeah, Leonard Cohen's it finale. It's weight it's weight is added it's it's weight is added right. to because of the because it was the final one right. and Correct. Was going, but, so it definitely but, but this is this is absolutely um it, it's 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 every this is a pinnacle of rock albums i Correct. mean it's yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. got the pop thing you know where let's dance well i'm sorry um yeah what's what's the album name uh, um, tonight uh, tonight or no yeah um so the next one is very poppy and commercial and it's got stevie ray doing great playing and sure. some fantastic videos came out of it sure but it doesn't have the, the gravitas that this yeah. it's called, this, it's, it's called fucking it's fucking called let's dance so yeah. it's it's <laughs> that is that is the right name right right, right. and he's right. basically yeah. right off the bat saying fuck i'll yeah. d- i'll t- screw all that right. other shit let's yeah, yeah. dance which is also a little kinksy True. You know the kinks did yeah. some uh, oh, true, uh, true, know, true. Pretty straight up. He's a huge Ray, da- uh, Ray Davis. How, how, how huge can you not be? Yeah. Right. Where, where, where are all the kinks? Uh, where are all the kink shows? Well, uh, no, we, we, got, got, we got another we, one coming. You know, we, we did Village. Uh, uh, not Village. What the hell did we do? We did Village Green. Uh, Village Green. I think it's been a long time with Marianne Spellman. But we have. Yeah, we'll definitely have another one coming up soon. Well, Larry, thank you so much for bringing this one. Fantastic one. And you did a great job, even though you're you coming and bring us. I feel like you should still bring us the the rum, though. Maybe I, I, just I don't listen to him. You drink the rum. You, enjoy, you sit there. Oh, no. This, you, <laughs> this 
<laughs> this bottle. You're not seeing this bottle. But there you go. next time, <laughs> another one. All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. You did great, and thank you to our uh, our new patrons and our old patrons. Our continued support of you guys. Yeah, yeah. We're you know we hope all you listening. We hope everyone's staying safe. Yep. Everyone's keeping their That's sanity. Right. But you know. Just uh, we hope that our little, you know, if you have friends, you say, hey, you know, these two guys, they're they're uh, they're idiots. They're not that smart, but they talk about they do a good podcast. Yeah, so maybe, right. yeah, you should listen to them. So turn us on to your friends. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And thanks again, Larry. Thank once you, Larry. Again, yes. Thank you again, for having me. Thanks for coming on. Once again, that is Le- what's, your, what's your name? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I haven't seen him in so long. That is Barry Hello. Hey, Larry. <laughs> That is very. That is Rob Elba. Thank you. (laughs) And this is that record got me high. We will see you guys next week. God willing, we're out. We're out. It's all mixed up